Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. In 2 Corinthians, you don't need to turn there, here it is. We taught from this passage. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So after death, I'm going to be rewarded, judged, at the judgment seat of Christ in regards to my time, my talents, my abilities as a Christian, my abilities as a parent, and my money. In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says that we will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ and that we will all receive rewards for the deeds done in the body, whether good or bad. Often, however, Christians don't think about this in reference to the way they spend their money. In today's message, Pastor Mark challenges all of us as believers to include our finances when we think about the rewards we will receive for what we've done. As we consider where to invest the resources God has given us, we should consider investing in those things that are eternal. Where are you investing? Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Matthew as he continues his message entitled, Why Church? Contribute and Receive Eternal Rewards. Matthew chapter 16. You say, Pastor Mark, what are you excited about? Here's what I'm excited about. Time Magazine, well, they help me in Time Magazine. Worldwide headline says this. Does God want you to be rich? Now, why would Time Magazine run this? Well, there's because... There's abuse, misunderstanding, manipulation in the church, not normally most parts of the world, but definitely in America. When it comes to giving, there's a lot of misunderstanding. Now, let me share with you a little bit of this article, and you'll see where we come from. You see, this morning, let me be perfectly honest with you. The majority of people listening to me right now, you have no idea what God thinks about money. You have no clue. You're clueless. And yet, when we look at the New Testament, especially the teachings of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, do you know that Jesus taught more about money than heaven or hell, or even healing. Well, how can 70 to 80% of the church not understand what God thinks about money? 
will not only do 70 or 80% not understand it, don't have a clue, and it's so high on the priority of Jesus, that has to affect our lives. But secondly, those of you that do understand, probably 60 to 70% of you who do understand don't obey what God teaches. And because of that, we have this huge dichotomy of really what God teaches about money and what actually takes place in the church. Why am I excited? I'm taking three weeks of teaching and putting in 50-some minutes. You're going to absolutely know what God thinks about money. Now, let's go back to the article in Time magazine. It starts out, which I think is absolutely incredible. The first part of the article starts out with this. Remember I asked you to turn to Matthew 16? Guess where the article starts? Exactly where we're teaching. Time magazine's kind of clicked into us. Here's what it says. In the Gospels, Jesus warns that each of his disciples may have to deny himself or even take up his cross. In support of this prediction, he contrasts the fleeting pleasures of today with the promise of eternity. Jesus said, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? That's exactly where you're at in the scripture. That's what we've been teaching. Well, here's what happens. The article goes on. Generations of churchgoers have understood that being Christian means being ready to sacrifice. But a growing number of Christians... The question is now being restated in our churches. Why not gain the whole world plus your soul? So what we have now is something that started back in the 70s and 80s. It's called Word of Faith, Health and Wealth, Name it and Claim It, Prosperity Theology. Hagen, Copeland, all of these people, that basically their premise is this. God wants you rich. Well, is that really true? Is that the premise of God? By the way, when I go to India next year and work at one of the seminaries, you think this will preach pretty good if God wants you rich? Huh? You see, it's only an American deal. It doesn't teach worldwide. It can't. You say, well, why are you even talking about it? You don't teach that here. No, I don't. Why the article? Here's why. The top four largest Protestant churches in America. Three of them are called, well, they've kind of related. They move the health thing away. See, the health and wealth thing is this. God wants you healthy. You will never be sick ever in your life if you're perfectly in the will of God, and you'll always be rich. What's up with that? That's exactly what Jesus taught, correct? So they moved away from the health part, but they've kept the prosperity cart. Now they call them prosperity light churches. Let me give you an idea. This is from the article, not me. Of the four biggest mega churches in this country, three, Joel Osteen's church in Lakewood, T.D. Jake's Potter Church in South Dallas, and Creflo Dollar's World Changer in Atlanta are prosperity or prosperity light pulpits. Now, while they don't exclusively teach that God's riches want to be in believers' wallets, it is a key part of their doctrine. Now, is there, a, is there a balance on the other side of this? Well, yes, there's a, in the article, there's a pastor, you, you might know his name, Rick Warren, Saddleback Church, Purpose Driven Life. Let's see what he says about this. 
By the way, he just got back from Rwanda. Think he'd have a little different idea? Rick Warren says the very basis of the prosperity is laughable. The idea that God wants everybody to be wealthy, he snorts. There is a word for that. Now, this is a kind of a doctrinal word, so you'll have to get ready for it. I'll explain it to you after I give it to you in a moment. Rick Warren says there's a word for that. It's called baloney. (laughs) He says you don't measure your self-worth by your net worth. It's a false idol. I can show you millions of faithful followers of Christ who live in poverty. Why isn't everybody then in the church a millionaire? In the article is a perfect picture. I want you to see it. Does God have an idea about money? What does God think about money and stuff? After this teaching, you will absolutely know. But see, the world doesn't know, and they're, they're confused. Just because there's been abuses, many churches, for instance, never teach on it. Because the minute you guys saw this, you go, uh-oh, uh-oh. No, not at all. But see, it's very important we clear the air. Jesus did. He talked on it over and over and over. Remember, in Luke, Jesus said this. He said, this world doesn't consist in the abundance of stuff. So we're going to learn this morning what Jesus thinks about money. Even though most of you don't know, those that do don't practice it, it has great significance to absolutely every single person in this room. Plus, if you're a parent, the way you treat money is handing down to your children. I was so excited because I talked to my daughter the other day and she was telling me, she she just mentioned it going and passing and she used a word and I went, yes, she got it. Her and her husband got it. Now I've asked you to turn to Matthew. Let's look at Matthew 16, 27. For the son of man is going to come in his father's glory with his angels And then he will reward each person for what he has done. This is the last of our teachings on the five core commitments. You remember them. We began last week, two weeks ago, actually three weeks ago, with this first part of contribute. And we talked about contribute simply means to give of our time and our passion and our talents in our possessions or our money. Now, Jesus says there's going to be a time of rewarding, which means there'll be a time of judgment. In 2 Corinthians, you don't need to turn there, here it is, we taught from this passage, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So, After death, I'm going to be rewarded, judged at the judgment seat of Christ in regards to my time, my talents, my abilities as a Christian, my abilities as a parent, and my money. I'm going to be judged in regard to how I use my money. And think about this. If 70% of the people that are Christians don't know what God thinks about money, wow, And what about the others that think they need to be rich? Wow. 
So let's take a look, and I'm going to give you today seven keys so that you will know what God thinks about money. I encourage you to write them down. Number one, God owns everything we have. Psalm 24, 1 says it like this. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. If you can get that in the beginning, God, if you understand this, then everything else just is very easy for you. You and I own absolutely nothing. All I am is a manager, a steward of what God has given us. In the beginning, we brought nothing into this world and we will leave this world with nothing. But when I came, the New Testament said God loves to give us good gifts. So everything you have this morning, the clothes, the talent, the time, the breath, your money, your home, everything you have is God's. You say, no, I'm a self-made man. Really? What part did you make? I'd like to see it because it's probably pretty funky. Like in the kitchen, you make your liver in the kitchen, put it right in. No, we're not self-made. We're made by God. So everything you have this morning is a gift from God. He owns it all. I am a steward. I'm a manager of everything I am and everything I have. Number two, God holds us responsible to manage his resources. In other words, not only does everything I have belong to God, but I am going to give in response to God how I used it. So are you. Now, if I'm to be this manager and I'm responsible for everything he has, that means that I am going to give a response for how I use his money. Number three, God's work on earth is accomplished by giving Christians. God's work on earth is accomplished by giving Christians. Understand this. God could have looked down from heaven and said, here's my plan. When people become a Christian, the very next breath they take, they're going to heaven. And I'm going to use angels to go through the world and share the good news. And I'm not going to use people, I'm going to use angels. By the way, do you think angels sharing the good news would do better than humans? You should say yes. Because angels always obey. And they can go anywhere at any time. By the way, is God ever going to use angels to share the gospel? Yes. In the book of Revelation, he is. But God didn't say, you know, when I get this earth ready and man sins, and I provide a savior, I'm going to use angels to come, and I'm not going to need man's money, I'm going to use my money. You know, in this town, we have a bank called The Bank. Let me tell you where The Bank is. It's up there. He owns everything. He is The Bank. So God could have said, to go and fulfill the Great Commission, to make disciples everywhere, I'm going to use angels, and I'm going to use my money. And he could have bypassed us all. Would he have been effective? Yes, very effective. Is that what he decided to do? No. Who did he decide to use? Raise your hand. Put your hand on your purse and your wallet. (laughs) Go ahead. Just reach for it. 
Whose money did he decide to use? It's mine. No, it's not yours. So God said, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to use angels. I'm not going to use my money from heaven. I'm going to use people and my money that's in the pockets of people on earth. That's how he did it. That's his plan. That's how we go to all the world. Now, when he gives us this, this responsibility, he he gives us money and resources so that we can meet our needs, meet the needs of other people around us, expand the kingdom of God, have fun, because the Bible says we can enjoy all things come from God and we can enjoy good things here. And lastly, we're to store up treasure in heaven. Now, why is giving so important? Why did Jesus talk about it? More than hardly anything else, more than heaven, more than hell, more than prayer. Why did he talk about it? Because of this. In Matthew 6, Jesus says this, for where your treasure is, there's your heart. And no one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Number four, don't Rob God and yourself by not giving back the tithe to God. In other words, God has some priorities, and he said to his people, I'm going to give these priorities, and this is going to keep my people straight in regard to giving. I'm going to show them how to give. I gave them 100%. I'm going to show them how to give back to me. I'm going to show them the starting point. I'm going to show them it's about their heart. It's not into ritual. I'm going to show them how to do this. Now, God designed for us three types of giving. God did this. The church didn't do this. This is in the Bible. Old Testament, New Testament. First is called the tithe. We'll talk about this in detail in a moment. That's 10% of our income off the top. Second, offerings. Some of us, like we do with the missionaries, they will give 20 bucks a month or whatever to provide for a little kid because they can teach them the gospel. That's an offering. Alms to the poor. Things to your neighborhood. Or I drove out yesterday and one of the ladies is doing a run for cancer survivors or whatever and she had to pay her money into that. That's alms. Those are the three ways. Now, when, when you hear the word tithe, that's a strange word to some people, but the tithe is simply... off the top, giving that back to God, and God lets us keep the other 90% to use appropriately. I believe that the Bible teaches tithing is the starting place for every Christian. It's actually one of God's tests to see if you and I will put him first. Let me explain how this works, and for those of you that are already angry that it's not a New Testament deal, relax, I'll get to you in a minute. Let's say you go to the mall and you see this line of people and the television stations there, Channel 6 News, and you say to somebody like, what are the people lined up for? Well, there's this billionaire that's announced that he at 12 o'clock is going to do this. He's do what? Well, for every person that wants, he's going to give these people a $10,000 free under one stipulation. You know, what's the stipulation? Well, that next week, you give him back 10% of that. You mean the guy's going to give whoever wants $10,000 and next Friday all I have to give him back is 1000 
Where do I get in line? That's it. By the way, would you get in line? If you could have $10,000 and only give back 1000 and have $9,000 with no strings attached, how many of you would get in line? The rest of you are like, da-da-da-da, something wrong. Sure you'd get in line. Why? I mean, where do you get a better deal than that? Hello? That's what the tithe is. God gave us 100%. He says, all I want back is what? 10%. And as Christians, we go, wait a minute, that doesn't sound like a very good deal to me. No, but you're the first one in line over at the mall. See, we have this for some reason, and I don't really know what it is. So, some of you say, well, Pastor Mark, that tithe was Old Testament. You're right. Jesus did talk about in the New Testament. But then as we move through, let me just explain to you. As you go through the New Testament, the tithe was the minimum in the Old Testament. As you go through the New Testament, every example you see of giving in the New Testament far exceeds 10%. Always. In fact, it goes all the way to a point where God says, I want all of you. So those of you that are going to be, Pastor Mark, would you spend four or five weeks going through the Old Testament, the New Testament, whether test tithing is really good or not? No, I won't do that. I'll just say to you, if you don't believe in tithing, praise God. Your next option is 100%. He wants all of you. Am I right? You're going to see today I'm absolutely right. So don't argue. It's the starting point. Now, I'm going to show you some statistics in a moment to show you why Christians don't understand this. Recently, I was studying a little book, and and I love the illustration. Here's what the illustration is. Tithing is like the training wheels on a bike on the path of giving. How many remember when you were a kid, and you got a bike, and it didn't have training wheels, and you looked at it, and mom wanted you to get on, and you go, not a chance. I'm going to kill myself. Anyway, when dad put these on, then I'm able to what? I'm able to get on this sucker and go like crazy, man. Because I can really go now because I got the training wheels on it. <laughs> Let me ask you. If the training wheels is the starting place for a Christian, 10%. It's the starting place, not the finishing place. On the road to giving, if it's a starting place, where are most Christians in the body of Christ, they're not even on the bike. They're not even on the bike. Look at Malachi. Let's read it. Then I'll give you some statistics. Malachi 3 says this. If you want to turn there, you can, or you can just follow me. Should people cheat or rob God? Yet God says, you've cheated me. And the people of Israel went, what? Paul said we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. In today's message, Pastor Mark challenged us that we all will have to give account for what we've done in this life with the resources God has given us. He talked about giving to the Lord's work and the difference between the tithe and the offering as described in God's Word. He challenged us not to rob ourselves of God's blessing by refusing to be a part of giving to His work. Maybe you're listening right now and God has placed a certain person on your heart that needs to hear this message. Or maybe you'd like to share it with all of your friends. There's a simple way to share this message. 
Log on to Lessons for Living Radio and click on the radio program option in the main menu. There, you'll find the Lessons for Living media player. In the Messages tab, simply click on today's date. Then you can share today's message directly on your Facebook page, Twitter feed, or send a link via email. You can even embed today's message directly. Again, to share today's message with friends and family members, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com, click on the radio program button, then simply click on today's date. You'll find all the options to share. Are you a conduit or a container? In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark again challenges us in our giving by reminding us that it is God who gives us the ability to produce wealth. Many Christians don't give to the Lord's work. In fact, Pastor Mark will share how few Christians actually give, thinking they're somehow better off financially. But he will remind us that if we're generous with God, he will be generous with us. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. seen and our ears have heard his word made flesh in a herd